Hello and welcome to the Grace Point Community Church Podcast Network. My name is Joey Butch. I'm the youth pastor at Grace Point Community Church. And we are here with you every Monday, uh, putting out our sermon from the day before. If you've checked us out on Sunday mornings at 1030, you know uh, that our pastor, Pastor Scott, uh, brings us a sermon each week. If you have not, we encourage you to come out and check it out. But if uh, if you haven't, or maybe you're here just to listen to it again or share it with a friend, uh, whatever brought you here, we're glad that you're here. And we hope that the sermon this week uh, impacts you in some way, that God uses it in your life. Uh, this week's sermon was titled Beautiful. And without any further ado, here is Pastor Scott. Now it's hot in here. Did you catch that, Joey? It's hot in here. Really hot. And uh, I've got <laughs> I've got all these gals, well, mostly gals, I don't know, gals and girls and men, uh, that are that have these uh that have these blankets. And we ought to set down at least a rule that says you cannot have a blanket unless you're ninety-five years old 95 notice how Levon has one and uh but uh uh it really it's not cold in here you guys really it's not especially you know um oh come on um it, it, i remember going to like uh rafferty's or one of these places and i said to the um to the server i said man it's freezing in here and the server said to me well you know, I'm up here working, and I'm really hot. And I said, yeah, but I'm your customer, and I'm really cold. Didn't do me no good. <laughs> so it won't today either, will it? It is, uh, we are beginning to embark on uh, going through Ephesians. Um, this, <laughs> this message is kind of funny. Uh, I, I've had it ready to go for three weeks and I, I think it had to like percolate a little bit, uh, and, uh, and it got better. It fermented and it got better and better and better. And, uh, so this should be as good as it gets, as good as you can get it, put it that way, at least from my uh, mouth, it's as good as you can get. And so, um, <laughs> my wife... <laughs> My wife reads this, you know, as I come in every week. She reads, and she, and she opened it up this morning and said, this again? And I said, yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to give her a shot this time. <laughs> and, uh, and so we, we want to give. But in the book of Ephesians, you know, he's writing to a church that he dearly loves. And that's, that makes a world of difference. Have you ever been to church where the, where the um, leader of that church didn't like you? Or they didn't care for the congregation. That's always fun um, to hear what goes on with that kind of uh, dialogue back and forth. The people hate the pastor. The pastor hates the people. And that's just a wonderful thing, I'll tell you. That's the love of Jesus for you right there. And, um, but this is a, a, a church that he dearly loves and that he's not uh, necessarily trying to correct any kind of 
doctrinal issue that they have, but it's a church that that uh, he wants to encourage. And so this whole first chapter that we have here is just one big, huge encouragement, which is nice. It's 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 kind of good to read. You ought to read it. Um, and uh, I think you would get encouraged. Uh, there was no there was no belittling this church. They they he uh, he talks to them straight up, but he loves them very very much. And um, and so we're going to go through this. And as we do, let's um, try to apply it to our own life and to our own church, okay? Because um, I love Grace Point Community Church. And I love it so much to where I want to encourage you. And Newport, uh, you're out there and you're, uh, you're watching as well. And we love you as well. Boy, we really do. We, um, we wish the best for all that... Uh, is going to happen within the next little bit. I don't know if a lot of you have heard, but um, we are in negotiations and uh, with them to possibly merge uh, the two churches together. That's new to our people, and that's probably new to you, Newport, but um, I found that just like my first DS used to say, people are usually down on the things they're not up on. And that is so true. And so I don't want you to be down on this thing because you're not up on it. I'm telling you, right from the horse's mouth, um, we are in negotiations. We are in talks right now. It hasn't happened. We had no intention of that happening. But what we had uh, intention of is that we would help you and you would help us. And and uh, it's it's just been... It's just been a great thing, and so um, we, we want you to know, Newport, that we love you and care for you, just like we do the people here at Grace Point. Okay? So, probably got myself in trouble by telling you guys that, but I don't like uh, sneaking around bushes and that kind of thing, and, and uh, not being upfront and open and honest with people. I would rather be upfront, open, and honest. Amen? So that's what we're going to be. Um, and uh, we're going to read out of Ephesians here the first little bit. And it says this, uh, it's starting with verse 3. How blessed is God and what a blessing He is. He's the Father of our Master Jesus Christ and takes us to high places of blessing in Him. Long before He laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love, to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift-giving by the hand of his beloved Son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross. We're free people, free of penalties and punishments and chalked up by our own misdeeds. And not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making 
He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in Him. Everything in deepest heaven, everything on this planet Earth. It is in Christ that we find out that who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and we got our hopes up, He had all His eye on us had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose. He is working out in everything and everyone. It is in Christ that you, once you heard the truth and believed it, this message of your salvation, found yourselves home free, signed, sealed, and delivered. They ought to make a song about that. By the Holy Spirit. This signet from God is the first installment on what's coming. A reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us, a praising and glorious life. Well, I, uh, when we were very young, before we had children, that was very young, that was way back in the 1920s, um, we, I, uh, I remember I did, not, I, I did not have any intention whatsoever of having children. Um, I just assumed uh, I would I loved my sleep and my sleep loved me and um, the thing is 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 that I was far more beautiful because uh, the beauty sleep that I did get but then along came children and uh, and that all went to waste and uh, all of a sudden I gained 75 pounds and uh, uh, because we had children and it's all because of them that I'm no longer beautiful like I was um, but I remember um, all the babies that I saw. I remember people would come over and say, uh, that this isn't a Seinfeld episode, but the, uh, people would always say, just look at the baby. Isn't the baby beautiful? And I'd go over and look at the baby, and the baby was all scrunched up. And, and, then, and then people have asked me, Come in and see the baby after it's born. Would you come in and see the baby after it's born? I said, sure. That's exciting. You know, as a pastor, you get to go in and see the baby. So you get to go see the baby. And the baby's all, the baby is anything but beautiful. (laughs) But obviously you lie because you've learned that in Bible college. You lie well. And you say, that baby is beautiful. Why, that's one of the most beautiful babies I've ever seen in my life. And then as you're leaving, you say, God, don't send me to hell, please. (laughs) And so you, um, you go out of that room and you think to yourself, oh, I'm never having children. Why in the world would I ever have an alien like that? And so, um, and then all of a sudden, you have your first child, right? Why was it all the other children were not beautiful at all? But all of a sudden, my first child is absolutely gorgeous. And that's how it was. I said, why? The child is beautiful. It, it, it's beautiful. It had long, it, Sarah had long black hair, and, and all my children were just gorgeous. Hannah's here this morning. She's, she's very pretty now, but thank the good Lord. Um, <laughs> God did a wonderful, wonderful work in her, and uh, 
she's pretty now, but back then it wasn't so much so, but even a father wouldn't say, wow, that child's beautiful. <laughs> she's here, so, but her husband isn't, so I'm, I'm good. Uh, yeah. But I, uh, I remember um, very vividly uh, as our children came, we thought they were just the most beautiful things that ever were on the face of this earth. They were beautiful, gorgeous. After that, I started liking babies. It's a, it's a weird thing. I started liking all kinds of babies. Uh, and and asked my wife, we're going down, uh, dogs and babies. All of a sudden, I've gotten into dogs and babies. It took me 60 years to find out I like dogs and babies. But now I go down in uh, the, the hall or I go down uh, in a store and all of a sudden I see a baby and that baby captures me just like that. I don't care about the parents. Um, what I care about is that little child because it's so innocent and beautiful and nice and it doesn't have any kind of predisposition towards uh, hating you. Um, it just seems like they're just, they're just beautiful. And, um, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Now I can say honestly when I look at children that are born in the church, why, they're, they're really, really pretty all right. They're good. And I mean that. I read once of a nursing home worker who would go from room to room and taking care of the needs of the residents. On one day, she was in the room of a resident when the woman looked up at her and said, my, but you're pretty. Uh, the attendant blushed. She was plump and overweight, and that wasn't used to people saying that to her, and she said as much. That's kind of you to say. Not many would say that about me. Nonsense, girl, the lady said. Just because you're overweight doesn't mean you're ugly. I took great pride in that little thing <laughs> right there. There's an old saying, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> and that's very true. Some people, some guys especially, think that, that all of their, their dates and all of their girlfriends are really, 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 really pretty, and you walk away and you say to yourself, Where, why in the world did he get hooked up with her, or vice versa? But um, a lot of people think they're all that pr pretty. Um, they find the world judges them harshly on how they look. But the Bible repeatedly tells us that God declares no matter who you are, and who you have become, and who you know, how much you have, or what others may think of yourself, God says, you are valuable to me. You are beautiful. Can you imagine that when God made everything, and, and when he did make everything, it was a great thing, I'm sure. Creation must have just been a lot of fun for God as he created the heavens and the earth and and uh, he created the animals and all of that. He must have just had a blast. Um, there have been times, especially when we were out in Colorado, and and when we go see our kids, uh, who's uh, they're in the Pacific Northwest. We think to ourselves, "Man, that's just beautiful." I've never seen anything like that. 
But I must say that um, with all of that beauty, that when I'm with my grandchildren and when I'm with my kids, that doesn't surpass, the beauty does not surpass the beauty of the people that God has given me in my life. Nothing does. And so I've learned to appreciate more and more, and sometimes that's a little bit difficult with children, but I've learned to appreciate more and more the, the beauty of, of our children. That's why um, so many people love John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Because God gave us, he saw in us something far more beautiful than any mountain he could create, any river that he spun into existence, anything that he made, God loved us most of all. And sometimes that's hard for us to grasp. Though we've heard it over and over and over in church, it's hard for us to grasp that God loves us. And so Paul spends an entire chapter in Ephesians on how pretty they are. And he says they are blessed, they are redeemed, they're predestined, they're inheritors of the great gift, and that God has given them a guarantee of salvation. And through the Holy Spirit that is placed in their hearts, question is, why spend all of that time, why spend all of that time trying to convince the Ephesians, that group of individuals, that church, why spend all of that time on trying to convince them that really they are beautiful people? Why do that? Well, the reason why is because somebody had come into that church and they had spoiled it for him. Now, I don't know how much time it was between the first time he planted the church and the time that he's with them now. But he's come back and somebody has come in there and tried to spoil them to say that they were not of God or they were not beautiful people because they were not Jewish. But God said, you are. God said that you are beautiful people. You are wonderful in God's sight. That you are children of God. And you have that inheritance. And Paul had planted a church years before on a missionary journey through the area. And these Christians were so excited that even a riot caused by some of the leading citizens of the city couldn't squash their enthusiasm that they had for God because they had a newfound faith. They realized that they too could be a part of this faith in Jesus Christ. And that's exciting. Then along came folks who claimed to be Christians and created doubt within the church. Now I want to tell you that as hard as you think you fought for, to be a Christian, as hard as you fought off the world, I want to tell you that there are times when you're going to doubt that you are a believer. But remember, doubt is not of God. Doubt is used by Satan to try to convince you that you are not a believer. But I want to tell you that you are and that God has established you in the faith. And so this whole first chapter is dedicated to telling the Ephesians that those false teachers lied to them. God told the Christians in Ephesus they were predestined by God for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. Now, that word predestined really messes us up. It really messes us up. 
And the reason why it messes us up, because we think that God went through and picked out people, every one of them, and said, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out, and so on down the line. For example, I could say, LaVon, you're out. Of course you're out. I could say, Georgia, you're going to make me cherries this year? No, you're out. You're out. Dan sings good. He's in. So he's in. Uh, Mike Safford, uh, he mows the grass good. Does a good job on that. He makes good breakfast. That's true. He's a Bills. Oh, Bills fan. He's out. He's out. The only thing worse you could be is I saw somebody. Oh, Cade. Cade had a Cleveland Browns shirt on. What is wrong with you, Cade? But I want to tell you that's not what he's meaning by predestined. You see, God has predestined a plan. A plan. And that plan is that none should perish. Did you hear me? That no one should perish. And that plan is set in stone, and that's what God has for each one of us. And God doesn't want us to perish. God doesn't go through and say, I'm predestining you to go to heaven. I'm predestining you to go to hell. You make it, you don't. God is saying, I want you all to go to heaven. Now, will everybody go to heaven? Absolutely not. We read in the, the, the Gospels of there is a time where he separates them and puts one on the left and one on the right. And he says, you're in, you're not. And why is that? Because they lived a life that was not godly and pleasing to God. And so he's predestined this plan. Later in the letter, Paul told them they were living proof of a mystery. The mystery was that the Gentiles, who had been baptized into Christ, were acceptable to God just the way they were. Somebody came in and told them, that they needed to be circumcised. That's not a popular plan. That's not a good plan. That's not a good plan at all. I'll hear about that too. The mystery is that Gentiles are fellow heirs, member of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. You see, God said that all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. All. Not just circumcised, but uncircumcised as well. Now under the Old Testament those Gentiles would have not been acceptable to God at all. Because the blood, but, because, but now, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, they were desirable to God. Now, that's interesting theology. But what difference does it make to us? Why should we care? Well, there's some folk who struggle with the idea that God cares for them. 
God cares for you. God cares about you individually. God so loved the world, yes. But God so loved you. You called on the name of the Lord. So God called on you individually. Now, there was one church that a pastor said, I remember attending a revival in a denominational church where the revivalists tried to teach them that if they didn't feel saved, they weren't saved. In his sermon, he told about a preacher's wife who he said thought she was saved, but admitted that she had doubts once in a while. And he said, her doubts that proved that she wasn't loved by God. She was going to hell because she questioned God's promise and played on her fears and saved her again. That night, he shamed those in the audience who struggled with their faith and convinced them to come forward to be saved for real. Out of the crowd of 200 or so people there were that night, nearly 30 or 40 came forward because they were convinced their doubts condemned them to hell. Doubt your doubts. Go ahead and doubt your doubts. Now, he says, as I watched this man, I thought, you dickens, you. You don't care for these people. You don't care whether they're saved or not. You're just looking for scalps to put on your belt. He was an evil and wicked man who would go to the next church and brag about all the churchgoers in that congregation had admitted they weren't saved. But he saved them. And if he returned the next year for another revival, and if most of those same folks were in attendance, they would have come forward to be saved again. Make no mistake, this was a false teacher who manipulated folk for his own benefit. I lived in that. Did you? Come on, be honest. Taking my pulse, wondering if I'm saved or not saved. Wonder if I'm in or out. Sunday I would get saved. Sunday morning I'd get saved. Sunday night I'd go down, make sure it took again. Monday morning I was unsaved. I didn't want to go to school, so I'd lie to my mom that I was sick and I'd skip school. So I was unsaved. I'd have to go next week and get saved again. Because the only place you can get saved, you know, is that altar in the church. That's it. That's all you can get saved right there. That's all. That's in, that's that's where it happens. And so I would convince myself that I was unsaved. And so back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. You know what that did? All it did was create spiritual paranoia within my own life. Am I in? Am I out? I never knew. I never knew. But after a while, I discovered that I would not be convinced that easily that God all of a sudden just whoop, left me. That He stayed with me. And I loved Him and He loved me and we started this relationship together and I didn't have any plan for it to stop. And neither did He. 
and God loved me and I loved him and it was just it was it was great. Now, has there ever been times where I haven't felt safe? Yeah. In fact, I was coming to church this morning and Kathy was here late last night and she was working. I told her I'd make this sound really good. She was working as hard as she could on the new nursery back there and she was painting and painting and her arms were sore and 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 so she had to go get cortisone shots late at night and she had to get all kinds of stuff. She was just she was a mess and and so she said to me this morning she said you know when she came to this part of the message she said you know I I don't I don't feel too saved this morning myself. I said I noticed that. <laughs> she said I think you're a little I I think I'm a little grouchy. I said you think. I said I know you are. Well, that went over big. So we came in here and she started reading. She got saved right in my office. It was wonderful. No. She was as saved as she ever was. You see, we can't go on feelings, you guys. We just can't go. If we could go on feelings, I've said it before, I'll say it again because my spiritual father said it, and so I figure I can pirate from him. Uh, the, one of the ten, uh, uh, ten laws or ten uh, commandments is, thou shalt always pirate for a preacher, and so I'm pirating this from him. He said, I could line you all up right here along this altar and get you some peppermint schnapps and you guys could drink it to your heart's content and you'd be feeling pretty good. And I would say, do you feel saved? And you'd say, boy, we feel something. I think it is. I think we're saved. But you can't trust that. It's the schnapps speaking. You can't trust that, and neither can I. I can't trust that at all. I lean on God's Word. That's all I lean on. If I'm a believer or not, I lean on God's Word. And I love Him, and He loves me. He's my best friend. Well, who are you? Well, if you're a Christian here today, this is who you are. First of all, you're redeemed. You're redeemed. But what are you redeemed from? It says in Galatians, it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. And what is the curse of the law? Well, the law of Moses declared what sin was. And then Scripture told us that the law condemned us because we've all sinned. That was the curse. And because of the curse of the law, all sinners, that's all of us, we were in a judgment of death. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, and that is wonderful news. That is tremendous news. As a matter of fact, if Larry Dillon was here, I would remind him of when he put that out on his bulletin when he was at Central or out on his big uh, church thing. He said, the wages of sin is death. And I said, wow, Larry. So I called him up. And I said, you know what? You need to put the second half of that verse on there. Because the second half of that verse doesn't say the wages of sin is death. It says this, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
You see, he counters the negative with the positive. And he says, we're free in Christ. We are free. Sometimes people will say to me all the time, they'll say, well, you know what? You guys have all those rules to follow. Rules? What are you talking about? We have been set free by Jesus Christ. We have been set free in Him. And it's not about rules and regulations and how many steps we take and what we've done at what age and all of that. Why, I would get so mixed up with that. Some of this religion stuff that people talk about, that they've got to do at a certain age. They've got to do this at a certain age, and by this time you do it at a certain age, and by this time you do it at a certain age. That would mess me up. If I've got 17 things that I have to do to make it in, I'd get mixed up about number three, four, I might make it to five or six. But if I have one single thing that I've got to do, if I can love the Lord God with all my heart, soul, mind, and spirit, if I have one thing that I've got to do, I want to tell you that sets me free. That doesn't in bondage me, put me in bondage. That sets me free to say, Lord, I love you with everything I have. And I might mess up and show you the wrong way that it's done sometimes. But I want to tell you, I love you immensely. Now, I know you're going to find it hard to believe. But there are times, from time to time, I get, um, well, I'm not the perfect husband. Yep, yep. Yep. But you know what? Over here sets a gal in which I love more than anything in this entire world. I mean, I love her. She was a dish from the start, and I want to tell you, she's still a dish today. And I love her. Now, have things changed in our relationship? Yeah, they've changed. They've changed a lot. They've changed a lot. But you know what? Not our love. Our love's gotten better and better and better and better. I say to her, I've said to LaVon, I've said to a lot of people, you know what? Old love is better than young love. It is. You don't have to wonder, I wonder what she's doing tonight or if she's out... She, you know, she used to be a terrible carouser out to the bars and stuff and, and all of that. But now she loves me immensely, and so she doesn't do that any longer. And I'm so glad she doesn't. No, she's not like that. She never was. And I thank the Lord for that. Now, I have no idea where I'm at on my manuscript. I have no idea. But I want to tell you, I love her with everything I've got. And I don't have to get up in the morning and say, okay, now, have I done this? Check it off. Have I done this? Check it off. Okay, by 40, I've got to do this. Check it off. By 50, I've got to do this. Check it off. By 60, I've got to do that. Check it off. 
I don't do that. You see, I just love her. I love her. She absent-minded? No, not at all. She ever mess up? Never. But I love her. Don't stop loving her. That's how God is with us. Well, I've got all this stuff here. What does the Bible say you're worth? Well, you are worth the blood of Jesus. You were so valuable to God, gave the most valuable thing He could ever offer, and that was His only begotten Son. Listen to this. Second, you have become a beneficiary of a vast inheritance. Ephesians 1.11 says, In Him we have obtained an inheritance. Oh, that's not just crazy inheritance of money on this world. That's an inheritance that will never run dry. And it's an inheritance that is made in heaven. Listen to this. Back in April of 2020, a firefighter from Chicago went to his ATM and took $200 from his account. He got his money in his card, and he also got this little slip of paper that told him how much he had withdrawn and how much he still had in his account. He looked briefly at a slip of paper, and then he looked again. There on that slip of paper, it said that his account had a balance of $8.2 million. Hello, Maui. He couldn't believe it. So ran his card again, and sure enough, there was still $8.2 million. He never had so much money in one place in his entire life. Now, if he had been a dishonest man, he would have taken as much money out of that ATM as was possible. But he was an honest man. and called the bank on Monday to check it out. The bank told him they had no idea how that money had shown up in his account. But it wasn't there now. All that money had disappeared. But if that money had been there, do you think he would have been excited? I guarantee you he would have been pretty excited. He could have used that money for all kinds of things. and He had been happy until that money ran out, but we have a fallen heir to a vast inheritance that would dwarf anything that might ever be in his account. In fact, it dwarfs anything that Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos could claim. 1 Peter 3, 4 tells us that according to His great mercy, the Father has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, we have a vast, inheritance you guys it's imperishable but how do we know we're going to receive that inheritance what guarantee do we have that it will still be there that fire fire is 8.2 million didn't last very long but how do we know well god says i've got a deal for you we're told that when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised holy spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. 
Hallelujah. I want to close. There's a phrase that shows up three times in our text, to the praise of his glory. What's that all about? Well, there are theologians who will wax eloquent about the meaning of those words, but I'm here to tell you that praise really means when this chapter tells us something was to the praise of his glory, it means that God did all the things he did for us to the praise of his glory. It means that it is a great honor for God for him to save us. He considered a point of pride to fulfill his promise to redeem us, to adopt us and mark us as his own. The story is told of a print shop in 1500s where the daughter was sweeping floor as she swept. She found a scrap of paper on the floor. It was ripped, part of the Bible that her father had been printing for Martin Luther. On that scrap of paper were these words, For God so loved that he gave. The rest of that verse was missing. That simple phrase moved her, and the rest of the day she went around with a smile on her face. Her mother noticed. And asked what had made her so happy, the girl pulled the crumbled paper from her pocket and showed to her mother. The mother read it and asked, What did he give? The girl replied, I don't know. I don't know. But if God loved us enough to give us anything, He must love us awful deeply. But now we know how deeply He loved us. He has redeemed us. He has given us a vast inheritance. He has sealed us with His Spirit. And He asked, is that the way we respond to His kindness with faith, repentance, and confession? You see, we have been given so much, you guys. Can I tell you again? We have been given so much, you guys. We have been given so much. We've been given so much. I don't even think we realize it, what all we've been given at times. But he has given us enough to praise him about, that's for sure. To the praise of his glory. To the praise of his glory. Praise team, take it away from here. You've got it. But friends, I want to tell you, we're not here to destroy your faith. We're here to lift your faith and to keep you going. We're not here to mess you up. We're here to take you in so that you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It's a wonderful thing. He really is wonderful. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you want to know more about the church, you can check us out on gpcchurch.com. Find out everything that you need to know there or get into contact with someone that maybe you need to talk to. Uh, Just hope that you're checking out our other uh, podcasts throughout the week. We have a Wednesday podcast coming out now called Grace Points um, that I'm a part of. Just a little mini sermon to get you through uh, your week. Hopefully that helps out in some way. And then we're also starting a Thursday podcast 
uh, which is going to be more of an educational kind of Bible 101 thing. And even Pastor Scott's going to get in on the podcast game here, uh, hopefully this Friday, maybe next Friday. But uh, thank you for joining us. This is the Grace Point Community Church Podcast Network. And as always, have a blessed week.